Um, we're on a different topic than probably what everybody thinks. But I believe the Lord is in everything that we do behind the scenes. And so today we're talking about food. Glorious food. <laughs> so we're just waiting for the PowerPoint to come up. And so we've been looking at this hungry for God. Uh, this was a series that we picked for Lent about getting, uh, being hungry for the presence of God. Um, and, you know, it's interesting how God has been directing um, Pastor Mike has brought us through a midweek uh, program that we spent some time on about uh, we can have fears, but we are unafraid as the body of Christ. We've just spent Wednesday nights on that, praying about that, looking at that. And so how it's important for us to, um, yes, fears are healthy. Uh, fears are something that keep us safe. But there comes a point where we, as uh, the body of Christ, we do not cower under fear. We are unafraid. But today we're going in this direction of hungry. And Pastor Mike brought that to us last week. And this week we're looking at the gospel according to food. Now, I don't know, some of you are too young to remember the movie Oliver. Food, glorious food. You remember that scene? He's been singing to me all week. Food, glorious food. Oh, how we love food. That movie was about orphans and how all they got fed every day was terrible gruel. Looked almost like a porridge and slops. Uh, and so how these orphans were dreaming about wonderful food. Now you're saying, Pastor, I'm already thinking about lunch now. You've started something. And uh, so what, what do you enjoy? What are you hungry for? <clears throat> now, Derwin in the back corner would say, amen, pastor, when I say it's a good steak. A good, thick, medium rare, PEI beef, because it does taste different. Grilled steak, fried onions on top, good PEI, fluffy, russet baked potato. With a big dollop of sour cream. This is what I love. This is my favorite meal. And then a nice, fresh, crisp salad on the side with blue cheese dressing and bacon bits. <laughs> you know, we all have our favorite foods. We all have our things that we appreciate and, and just love, right? And, and so there is those times for us where, where food is so important. I remember a great uh, preacher. I still remember the camp meeting many, many years ago, and, and, and uh, Bill Griffin was his name, the evangelist, and he got up, and glory fell in our camp when he started talking about heaven, and he said for him, heaven was blueberry pancakes, well, I don't know if that's what heaven's about, blueberry pancakes, but for him, he thought blueberry pancakes were important. We want to think about that hungering and looking and what does that all look like? Well, what does that mean now for us in the spiritual realm this season of Lent? This is a hard statement, but I read it this week and it just kind of resonated. If you're not hungry for God, you're probably full of yourself. That's rough. That hits. 
right? That whole concept. If we're not hungering for God, if we're not hungering for the things of God, it is probably because we are so full of self. Today, throughout Scripture, we're going to be looking at this idea of food and feasting and how it's connected to the kingdom of God. And so if we're thinking about hungering for God, there is this aspect of hungering means this strong desire, this craving for God. Somebody wisely said it's the most important spiritual attitude that you can have. That you're hungering, craving for God. There's this longing that nothing else will satisfy but God alone. And so there are lots of scriptures about food and feasting that's connected to the kingdom of God. We would not have time this morning to go through all of them. And you would say, amen, pastor, to that. But we're just going to look at some of these highlights over scripture about the story of God and the connection with food. First of all, we go right back to the garden. We go right back to the garden when we see the scripture, Genesis 1, 29, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. Food is a glorious gift from God. It is a gift that God has given us. He has given it to sustain us. He has given to us as a sign of his providence. And so when we see food, when our tables are full, we should realize it is because of God's blessing. When our fields are being harvested, it is because of God's blessing. It is because God is our provider. And food is this wonderful, glorious gift. But it's not too far in Genesis that we realize that food also, in Genesis 3, 6, was the cause of broken fellowship with God. It is food that caused Adam and Eve to sin. As we know that passage, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. You know, one of the things about that passage that I noticed so much, it says that when she saw, (laughs) oh joy, the lust of the eyes. Pastor Mike used to laugh at me because I used to enjoy a lot of women's magazines, you know, Woman's Day, some of those ones like that, Family Circle. And he'd say, look at you. You look at a, a recipe, you look at a picture of food, and you're already smacking your lips. And so, you know, if we're not careful, food can be our downfall. That which God meant for blessing has now become poison right? And so we see in the garden that God had given this beautiful tree of life, which was supposed to be this eternal fellowship with God, to spend eternity. There's this beautiful tree of life, and then there is that tree of knowledge of good and evil that they are not to touch, that they are not to go near, that they are not to do any of it, but instead of obeying God, they decided to go their own way and do their own thing, and we know what's happened from that. And since then, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's, it's about self-sufficiency. It's about our appetites. It's about taking that which God has created for our good and now using it 
and not the way that he had ordained it. As we follow on in scripture, we could spend time with the prophets and all throughout, but we'll move on to the place where Israel was asked to do what God had asked them to do. What did they say about the land that they were going to go into? How did they talk about it? It is a land that is flowing with milk and honey, right? And when they were supposed to enter into that land, the people refused. Once again, we see this disobedience. We see that people are not willing to go God's way and God's direction and to listen to God. And so instead, they refused to enter into that land flowing with milk and honey. And despite that, for 40 years, they wandered in the desert. And you know what? Even in that, we see God's care. Even in that, we see God's provision. Because for 40 years, day in and day out, except the Sabbath, God was sending down manna from heaven. God was sending bread for heaven. And so that shows us that no matter what we're going through, no matter what is happening, God can provide. He is our provider. Even when we don't get it right, we see God's grace. Do you know the word bread is used 237 times in the Old Testament? And it's mentioned 79 times in the New Testament. This is what the Israelites found out in the desert, that God was indeed Jehovah Jireh, their provider. Once again, we see God's provision and care as that manna came down in Exodus 16. But praise God, also, a provision came down from heaven for us. In Israel's physical hunger, there is also one who now has come for our spiritual hunger, and he is referred to as the bread of life. Jesus said in John 6, I am the bread of life, which comes down from heaven. And so for our spiritual hunger and needs, for our daily provision, God himself has come to us, and no matter what we've done, and no matter we don't deserve it, that broken fellowship has been restored now because Christ has come as that wonderful bread right from heaven to meet our spiritual hunger every day until he returns. And only God can satisfy. Only God can satisfy the hungering of our souls, that need to be filled, that thirsting as we looked at, Pastor Mike looked at a bit last week. And so here we are as the church of Jesus Christ, and, and we celebrate these wonderful sacraments of the new covenant now. We think of the sacrament of baptism, and God willing, we will have a baptismal service as we've talked on Easter Sunday, and there will be others that will go under the waters of baptism, and we're excited about that because it's one of the wonderful sacraments of the new covenant in the church of Jesus Christ, and why we have two sacraments is because Jesus has ordained these two, go and be baptized, and he also has ordained, do this in remembrance of me the Lord's table. But did you notice that food is a sign and seal of the new covenant? 
Now, this is how important provision and food is used in God's word, that, that the very thing that God uses as now the symbol of the new covenant is these common elements of bread and wine or bread and juice. This is a new covenant in Christ's blood, we're told, a symbol of his death a symbol of his suffering, a symbol of him covering over our sins. And even when he first met, we are reminded back as we look over our shoulders that Passover meal in the Old Testament as they celebrated the night before the Israelites were set free. And that night that they were set free, they sat and celebrated together as a family, a common meal, the lamb that was roasted. Again, you see that fellowship, that communion around a meal before they are released and set free from slavery. But they had to do something with that lamb before it was roasted. They were to take the blood of the lamb and put it up over the doorposts. And so as that blood of the lamb was out over the doorposts, the angel of death would pass over that house. And they would be spared. See, there is this aspect of the new covenant with Christ that the blood of Christ covers us. That we have been set free from sin. That we might freely worship God and feast together. And so we see this beautiful aspect of the juice, what it represents when we do take communion together as a church. Some believe, well, that's just an unimportant ritual. My friends, I believe the sacrament of communion, the sign of new covenant, is one of the most important things we do as the church of Jesus Christ. The bread is a fundamental resource for human sustenance, as we already said. Genesis 3, 9 tells us that part of the curse is that we will, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your bread. See, God was providing everything for them in the garden. But because of sin, now by the sweat of their brow, they would get that bread. I watched a program this week, and I'd I never seen it before, but it was a, a, one of our uh, Aboriginal communities in Canada where they, we were watching a bit of a movie, and they showed the symbol that they would do uh, as, as a, a couple getting married, and they had two baskets, and I never knew this before, two small baskets, and I often think that some of the baskets I've seen woven would be a, what they would call a wedding basket. And so the husband and wife both have a basket, and then they exchange the basket, and the one that's given to her has a small loaf in it, has, has some bread. No, actually, hers has material in it, and the one she has, she gives to her husband, which is a small loaf of bread or a cake. And the symbolization of that is that she would make the home. She would be responsible to make the home as her basket had a piece of fabric. And his had that loaf of bread because we say bringing home the bacon. <laughs> it would be his responsibility to keep that bread forever in the home, working hard to have that bread provided for. You know, I thought about that as it says about back in those early days when Adam and Eve fell, that it would be by the sweat of your brow you will eat your bread. And yet now we come to this table of God and we receive this bread of life, Jesus, who represents now our sustenance that is given freely to us. 
And so we remember his suffering and his death. We take his body, the bread, and we feast upon it. We're able to take the cup, the symbol of his blood, and drink upon it. And this table, the sacrament, symbolizes us feasting upon Christ, upon his sacrifice. Do you know what's so beautiful? Again, as we think about meals and even at the Lord's Supper, it also projects to the future. I don't know if you can read the words on that screen, but it says, he wants you to be ready when he comes again. And he wants you to be at the wedding feast that lasts for all of eternity. When we come together and feast, when we break bread together at the Lord's table, there is also this projecting to the day when Jesus promised that we will enter into his kingdom together and we will eat and feast together in that coming kingdom. So the Lord's Supper is also a promise of the future. As Revelation 19.9 tells us, It's also this uh, idea that as we come to the table, we are looking at this bread and juice and wine. And as we look at that, it is we're looking over our shoulder backwards and remembering what Christ has done for us. We are in the present and we are in communion with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're looking to the future when we will sit down in his kingdom and eat and feast together. Now, all of this is so beautiful. It is so amazing. But here we come again. What do you crave? What are you hungering for? Uh, One of the things that I remember uh, in Ontario, that sometimes people miss things. Um, I know the Neufelds are looking forward, the boys, that they're looking forward to some of the stores being around that maybe aren't here. But in Ontario, there is a phenomenon called the Mandarin. Anybody been to Ontario and been to the Mandarin? Few of you. Well, the Mandarin is a Chinese buffet. Buffet. And it goes, I mean, you've never seen a restaurant so big. I think they can sit about 600, some of them. And when they make them, they never are big enough. They keep making them bigger and bigger. And so as far, it would be heaven to you, Mark. You'd be in your glory. Oh, you've been there, so you know. So that's why the big smile across your face and your way. And and so there's anything and everything you can think of. And there's roast beef and roast and there's ham and there's sushi and there's you name it. Everything Chinese and soup and desserts. And you go and you get your first plate. And my problem is I like everything. There's not too much I don't like. So I go in there. Now someone else goes in there and it's a nightmare. Like, what am I going to get? I don't know what I'm going to have. Heaven forbid, there's nothing here to eat, Mike. Uh, I go in there and I'm thinking, what can I not have? (laughs) And so I'm in there and, you know, you get the one plate. And then you, oh, you got to go up again because you didn't get all of it the first time. So now we go for the second plate. And heaven forbid, there's some that even go for a third. And if you've ever watched people coming from a buffet... Now, I know down in uh, Summerside, one of the restaurants had opened up a buffet, and they actually had to close it down because people were wasting the food so much that it was almost sinful how much was being put out in the garbage. But if you watch people there, it's mounded up from the buffet, and then there's like a few things put up on top, and you almost think it's going to fall over before they get to the table. And there's a joke that some of us used to talk about. Did you wear your stretchy pants? 
Because people would eat so much, because heaven forbid, you wanted to get your $24.99 worth, right? And people would eat so much that they'd have to wear elastic pants so they could make it home. And uh, I'm not hearing too many amens. <laughs> you know, there is, there's this danger now of overindulgence, isn't there, of consumerism. It's my right. I'm entitled. I'm entitled to 24 cases of toilet paper, as we've seen this week. And, and that which was given to God, by God to us that's supposed to uh, sustain us and keep us healthy has now become poison. When we think about it, if we're not careful, if we think about everything that's put in food and how much what we long for, we know in the, it, we can't blame it all on ourselves. We know our society will put extra sugar and extra fat and things that don't need to be there so that you will crave it and want it even more. Jeezies. <laughs> Whatever made those things so bright orange can't be good. <laughs> so, you know, there, there is this, if we're not careful, we're, we're, we're longing and craving for those things that is actually making us sick. So a good spiritual discipline, and I'm not saying I've got this figured out, people. I'm working on it. Would to be eat what is necessary. And once in a while, moderation is good. God has given us and blessed us. We don't, we don't want to be legalistic, and, but we do need to be making wise decisions. I, I know how close we're connected to food. Uh, this little A&W mug means the world to me. You would say, Pastor, what in the world? Why would that mean so much? So much so that when my brothers got put in the garage sale, I had to make sure I had his too. See, in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, there wasn't a lot of places to go eat out. There was the nice Chinese restaurant in town. That became very much my comfort food as a young girl raised in a single mom's home and a grandmother. A couple times a year, we would go for that Chinese food. And that was always a special memory for me because it would be all family and we'd be out in a restaurant and there would be table and it was just good memories. So I love Chinese food because it brings back memories. That's what my excuse anyway. My dad would come pick us up every second weekend, and one of the places we would go every second weekend was A&W, the only really takeout place we had that I remember or knew about. And so this gives me fond memories of sitting in my uh, dad's white Thunderbird, convertible Thunderbird, and them coming up to the window with the tray, and that's where I got my first little A&W mug, was with my dad. And my brother got his. And I can still remember the day today like it was yesterday. Now, a little while back, we've always gone to McDonald's and Wendy's and all those places. But my cousin said, hey, let's meet at A&W in Summerside. So we started to meet there, found out the food was good. Never really went to A&W for years because I was always disappointed. And then all of a sudden that day, the first day we went, guess what they handed me with my drink in it? A nice, big, frosty mug. I haven't drank root beer in years. All of a sudden now I'm drinking root beer. And this wash of memories came over me. And I was like, wow. 
Now, some of you would say, I don't like A&W. That's fine. This, this is me sharing, you know what it was? Not the A&W. It's a burger. It's gone, <laughs> forgotten about. It was this wash of connection, of food to a memory that brought me back and made me feel warm and fuzzy. You know what we say? Comfort food. What's your comfort food? What's comfort food about? Comfort food is about there's something about that meal, there's something about that which we're around starts to draw us back to memories of childhood, of good memories. Some people who are very broken, some people who have a lot of issues will run. And I was raised in the single mom's home and uh, brokenness and hurt. And so food became for me that place where I could run to and hide and feel comfort. Was great when I was skinny as a stick. And everybody in my family said I had a hollow leg. Because look at that girl eat. Not so great now. When it doesn't work out the way it used to. And you struggle with everything you put in your mouth. And, and if we're not careful, that can become so legalistic. And, and we've met people where they're counting every calorie and it just becomes a new form of slavery. But there's something where instead of just calling about a buffet, there is this word buffet. It's kind of this twist in words. And, and the Apostle Paul says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Wow. Now you want to talk about a passage for a pastor. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I'm not saying I got this figured out. But I am saying that I'm working on it. And I'm giving it to the Lord and asking for help. Buffet. That's the word that Paul uses. It's, it's connected to the word doulos, which is to enslave, to subdue, to bring captive, to bring it under to subjection. And so there is this reality that we are spiritual beings given this wonderful gift called the body, given this wonderful gift of care, of providence, God's sustenance and food. But there comes a point for all of us that we need to exercise self-control. Because we honor God through that. And we have to come to a place where we begin to realize that our bodies are to be instruments used for God and we want to stay healthy. And so we stop trying to poison ourselves as we stuff our faces with whatever we can and, and using that as our comfort. I've been sharing about my own struggles with that over the years. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. So we sit at a table and we say grace because we know everything that God has ever provided for us on that table is from his hand and a blessing. But we also exercise self-control and bring it under the Holy Spirit's freedom, liberty, joy. That we're not controlled by substances. We're not controlled by past memories. We're not running to food to fill a void that only spiritual food can fill. Now, sometimes some of us who are overweight, uh, people will point the finger. But I've met some pretty skinny people, friends, that still need to exercise self-control. So it's not just all about weight. It's about really letting God be God and provide 
enough said about that. I just had to get there. It had to come up if we're going to talk about the power of food. As I bring this to a close, this is the good side of it. This is bringing it around to perspective. Jesus loved to sit with people. Jesus sat at a table. Jesus feasted with people at a table. He enjoyed people's company. He enjoyed good fellowship. And I believe he enjoyed good food. Because it's a proper gift from God. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't feel guilty if you've enjoyed a meal. (laughs) That's not what I'm trying to bring up here today. But in that meal, that deep fellowship, God wants your meal times, every meal time, to be a celebration of God's goodness. That's why we give grace. Now, here's the other side of it. I've seen a lot of people, and I feel guilty when I'm down there at Kentucky Fried having four pieces of chicken and saying, God, bless this food to our bodies. <laughs> like, <laughs> like God is going to magically take out the cholesterol and all the calories, and yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should thank him for it, but don't ask him to bless it. (laughs) Right? Um, (laughs) But this idea of gathering, every mealtime. Now, now one of the things I was thinking about, too, like, again, you know I think often all kind of crazy ways. Somebody said recently, why do we call it potluck at the church? So there's a church that calls it pot provenance. Because they said it's even wrong to call it a potluck. You are not, it's not because of luck that you have that (laughs) buffet or that plate of food. It is because of God's providence. I think I'll decide to continue to call it a fellowship meal. That's biblical. Because Jesus loved to sit and eat with people. I come back to that statement. If you're not hungering for God, you're probably full of yourself. I want to challenge you today. Only God will satisfy. Only God will satisfy. Only God will satisfy when we sit at his table of fellowship. We look forward to that table when we sit in fellowship. But we can sit and fellowship with God through Jesus Christ today because of the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus. Here's these closing tips. If you want to say, Pastor, I need to hunger more for God. I'm asking for more hunger for God. Maybe you need to practice some humility and repentance. One of the days we're going through, maybe it's to humble us. Maybe it's to bring us back to our knees. Maybe it's to bring us back to reality of what does it mean to depend upon God. I've been talking about the church in Cuba, and I shared it with a few people uh, Pastor Allie was in Summerside. She just returned to Cuba. We had a chance to see her before she returned to Cuba. She's been here. She was the one who translated for Osmel. And, and she shared that she asked us to pray for Cuba because Cuba is going through much difficulty in recent years and recent months, really. And they're back to when she shared that time that they ate banana peels, boiled banana peels, and that's all the food they could find. And that, they're back in those days again when the curtain first fell down. They're going and lining up around the block to go and go into a grocery store and the shelves are empty. And they go in and they don't get anything. That's a daily reality for them. There's no soap in the country. So this virus is coming to Cuba, but they don't even have soap to wash their hands with it. Maybe God is trying to bring us to a place of humility and repentance through what we're going through. 
Heaven forbid you went to a grocery store and there was some empty shelves. That is a norm for a lot of people around the globe. Maybe we should be thankful for what we have in our cart and what we have in our homes. Seek God in prayer, and Pastor Mike will deal with fasting next week, God willing. Separate yourself from those things that steal your hunger for God. Maybe that's hockey. Hmm. No, it wouldn't be. No amens there. Maybe it's social media. Right now, maybe we need to shut it. They're going through withdrawal. That's what it is. Take some time for God. Enjoy his presence. Word, God's word promises, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Read his word. The written word has been given to you to direct you to the word, the bread of life. And so as we read the word of God, it's to bring us closer to him. Spend time uh, in his word. And you know what? Surround yourself with others who are also hungry. Look for people who are hungry for God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. So I'll ask you again, what are you hungry for this Lenten season? Maybe a better way to ask that question is where do you go to fill your heart? Where are we going to fill our hearts? What are we looking to fill our hearts with? Maybe God is challenging us to re-examine ourselves this Lent, to understand that we can be assured of God's providence, that he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. But also we need to come before him and hunger after him as our spiritual bread. Lord, we pray today, not an easy passage to kind of put together, even looking at food in the scripture. It's from one end to the other. But God, I pray today that somehow you have spoken to us about the importance of us finding our sustenance spiritually from you and even our physical sustenance from you, that we don't worship the creation, we worship the creator. We thank you that you have redeemed our past. We thank you for the presence today, the sweet communion of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we look forward to that glorious day when we will enter into your kingdom together and celebrate and feast at the wedding feast of the Lamb. God, would you help us today, we pray, in days ahead. And we give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you stand and sing with us?